0: Welcome everybody in Artificial Intelligence and Product Strategy Podcast. My name is Arek Scusa. I have a wonderful guest, as always, here with me. But before I let him to speak, I want to tell you guys that if you stay with us to the end, you will not only learn how these guys raise money and deal with investors and venture capitals. He's a European guy who made his path to United States of America. So you will not only learn how he raised money, but also how he did it from the different continent and eventually start building his success in the United States. But also we will be talking about artificial intelligence, as always, now everybody's surprised with that, and product management. So welcome uh, Dimitri, the CEO and the founder of the company called AppSword. And what it is, he will explain better than I can do it. So, Dimitri, please tell us about yourself, introduce yourself, tell us about your company. Everybody is interested in learning what you've been through and who you are.
1: Yeah, thank you, Arik, for the invitation. Uh, Happy to join your podcast. So, we started our company a little bit more than two years ago. Uh, Recently, we announced our um, 4.3 million seed round in the U.S., led by several VC, Independent Community Bankers of America. One bank and something around 60 angels, like uh, CEO of Klarna, uh, nice. president of uh, American Express, uh, lots of people from Google, lots of people from Oracle. So lots of influential C-level executives that were building and are building right now, the biggest financial corporations. Almost all of them are publicly available at our website. So we are FinTech. Uh, right now, we are 52 guys in the team, so we are growing pretty fast. We have a little bit less than 40 financial institutions working with us, like uh, MIT mm-hmm. Bank, uh, MasterCard bought our technology recently. We are working with the banks both in Europe and in North America. So our technology is something, you know, like what we position as mint for businesses. People in yeah, the I U.S., would they like know
0: to tell you. I would love to ask you for explaining what is it. That's certainly a complicated and complex stuff you guys do successfully. So spend a little bit of time right there, Dimitri, and tell us what you guys are doing, what's the product, what's the value proposition, all this stuff.
1: There are lots of technologies that are serving consumers, like you and me, globally. It's a well-known market. People know what to do. There are so many challenging banks, so many fintechs, and so many banks serving consumers. There is a huge experience in serving corporates as well. But there is the gap between these two segments, which is called small and medium-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. So in any developed country, like US, Canada, Poland, this uh, segment creates the most of GDP, the most of the jobs. But no one knows how to manage them efficiently. For example, to provide the loan to SMB costs as much as providing loan to the corporate, but the margin is dramatically lower. Serving businesses with personalized support, even automated support, is tremendously expensive. Mm -hmm. So we decided to focus on this segment and give more data that will help both bankers and businesses perform better. Mm -hmm. So we created the solution, which we position as Mint for businesses in the U.S., white-label technology, white-label add-on to online and mobile banking that will offer you, ARAC, connect your data to MAT Bank. Connect your QuickBooks, connect your Salesforce, connect your PayPal, connect your Square account, connect your merchant account on Amazon or Shopify. We support more than 120 apps as of now. Mm -hmm. So you connect your data to the bank and you will ask me, why should I do this, Dmitry? Mm -hmm. And the answer is very simple because you will get faster access to the loans. You connect your financial data to the bank so that the bank doesn't need to ask you to prepare the documents, to go to the branches, to stay in the lines. You provide access to the data to simplify the process of approving and applying for the loan. Working capital, leasing product, commercial credit card. But the biggest value is coming on the top of this. So when you connected all your apps, the data from these apps will be transformed into actionable insights, accurate cash flow forecast, proactive advice to help you, RR, and other businesses perform better through your bank. So the bank will highlight for you that, for example, you invest lots of resources in Instagram marketing campaigns, Facebook marketing campaigns, and Twitter marketing campaign, while Instagram is much more efficient comparing with others. And the bank will explain why this insight is generated in a very understandable form through the stories, through the texts, so that... If you don't have any financial background, if you don't have any business experience, you will know exactly what is happening with your company and what should be done. Or, for example, the bank can highlight for you why your sales on Square are dropped and what you should do next to solve this problem. The bank can explain you who is not efficient in your sales department and why. The bank can explain you what will happen with your cash flow in the next six months. The bank can highlight for you which are invoices not yet paid. Everything thanks to your data connected to the bank and transformed into understandable stories.
0: This is pretty cool. So I can offer my data to different financial institutions so they can build like a snapshot about me. So basically, it's kind of like building a scoring, right? Like putting me in the metrics and see not what I can afford, but how they can help me to afford stuff. Am I right?
1: Um, Yes, but not only to buy something. Yes, like, for example, MasterCard bought the license on our technology. Very soon, all the merchants in Europe will have an option to connect all their data to MasterCard website. Because MasterCard is not only the place to accept payments. MasterCard is the place to make business decisions. When you connect all your data... MasterCard will help you to plan the next best step. They will explain you what was happening with the company, what is happening with the company, and what will happen with the company. Okay. 74% of the businesses in Europe and in North America, they don't have any experience and education to manage the companies. They don't have resources to hire professionals. So
0: you help others to make a decision if that company as a vendor, partner, or investment target is a reliable one, right? Like something that you can trust.
1: Yes, but we need to push you to connect the data. So we can't give the value to the bank until you connect the data. So everything is starting with you. You are in the heart, in the center. You are, as the small business owner, consider your bank as not only the place to store money or get the loan. The bank becomes your business cockpit to make any business decision. So when you connect the data, you create one-stop shop for all your business needs marketing, sales, operations, financials, and the bank gets all regulations compliant access to your data. Sure. So this is win-win for both sides. Dimitri, tell me how you guys
0: came up with this, because to me, it's uh, brilliant, the same time complex. It's not like building a dating app that will connect people differently or opening the API for uh, sucking up data and recognizing cats or dogs. This is something more complex there is many stakeholders inside, many customers, many partners, many different parties that can benefit and contribute to that. So did you see any niche on the market or you were uh, you had kind of experience? How you came up with this idea?
1: Originally, me and my partners, we are bankers. Uh, I spent a lot of time in debt collection business. And the biggest problem that we were facing is the lack of information. So uh-huh. like uh, the client got the loan, he never gave money back, sure. but five <laughs> years passed. We don't know anything about this client anymore. The five years ago, I created the first company. We started in Poland. Okay, uh, We raised money in Poland from SpeedUp and value, You know both funds. Of course. Uh, by the way, both of them joined my new company, despite the fact that we failed, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So we started the previous company focusing on data sources, but for consumers. We offered the bank's SDK. We were saying, guys, let us give you lots of data sources so that you can build something on the top of this for consumers. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, that idea wasn't the best one, but it's not only about the idea. It's always about the people. Unfortunately, we failed because of different uh, various reasons, but that was a huge experience for us. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in the US, we see us saying that if the startup failed and they launched again, that means that someone paid for their experience. Thanks Mm -hmm. a lot to these guys. So right now, the chances of building the second company are much more high. So having experience with the previous company in Europe, uh, having the support of the VC that invested in us and failed with us, they joined us again. Having background in the financial, let's say, segment, but in Europe, we decided that maybe we can build something else. Mm -hmm. And this something else is something that is called small and medium-sized businesses that no one knows. And we scaled our experience to the new point, which is saying us that given that data is not the solution, we need to build the products based on the data mm-hmm. to give ready-to-use solutions so that the banks don't need to invest resources. Sure. And this solution should help their clients. This solution should help the banks. Right now, we have almost 40 financial institutions in Europe, in Canada, mm-hmm. in the U.S. we got the first clients in Mexico, but still we are a young company. You know, whatever I plan right now, something or maybe everything will go wrong. So the question is if the current team is flexible enough to adjust our plans to the always changing environment, especially mm-hmm. in our you know, Yeah, sure.
0: So let's put it on the side a little bit, the AppSquad journey. I will definitely go back to that and ask about the uh, your journey from Europe to States. But now I would love to ask you about the fintech industry, our financial industry and the fintech that is obviously changing the landscape so much and so comprehensively. What do you think about the fintech industry right now? Are we going to live in the world where there are no banks or are we going to live in a world that the bank is not going to be a bank anymore? It's going to be more like a platform or something that has a smaller power than we used to have. So what's your take on that?
1: So as for me, there are statistics, yes. 25 years ago, there were 25,000 banks in the U.S. Right now, it's less than nine, including credit unions. Mm -hmm. So the banking environment in the largest, as of now, the largest economy in the world is changing. Unfortunately, the banks are dying in the classic meaning. But there's always should be the place, intermediary place that we can trust to. So I believe that the banks will stay, but classic banks will become just the place to store our money and maybe get the loans. Innovative banks, they will become the IT companies. Mm -hmm. They will provide the possibilities to store money, get the loans, but on the top of this, they will provide support. They will Mm -hmm. provide advice. They will provide new types and forms of investing. They will provide maybe hiring services. They will be something that will support every step of our business. Google, Apple, all these guys, they are moving in this direction. Right. While banks... Based on their mentality and tons of regulations, maybe they are willing to move that way as well. But they're afraid. Mm -hmm. There are so many laws that don't allow them to do this. And this is always about mentality. We meet so many bankers every day. And some Mm -hmm. of them, they are ready to take the risk because they know that something should be changed. Mm -hmm. Some of them, they're saying, oh, that's okay. I have my job. I have yeah, a seller. I can keep it. I don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: yeah. But Dimitri, this is like a nice thing. That's a question that pops up to my head. Like my situation is like I am a regular bank customer. I have uh two credit cards, probably three debit cards, and uh I have accounts in three different banks. That's probably like uh average person that travels a little bit, maybe now it's different because of COVID, but basically (laughs) I'm not like a, you know, I am not a heavy user. I don't avoid banks. It's like regular one, but I need to tell you when Apple launched the Apple credit card, I canceled all my credit card for this one only for one reason. The one particular reason is, especially in United States, it's a transparency. Anytime I swap this beauty, in a terminal, in a grocery store, there is a pop a notification on my phone saying me how much I spent and how much is my mm-hmm. kickback. So I want to ask you a question about transparency. How big deal is also considering AppSWOT product to help banks to introduce transparency to the world, because fintech, they to me need to be very transparent because otherwise they cannot build trust. But what do you see in the market? What do you see on the landscape when it comes to transparency?
1: That's the mind gap and age gap, you know. Like uh, one of our investors is a former chief risk officer of Cabbage that was acquired by American Express. Probably right. Cabbage was the first one fintech uh, that offered businesses to connect their accounting, marketing, and other apps to get the loan. Not uh-huh. in months, but right. in hours. Right. So they provided, they approved $18 of billion in loans, as the FinTech having no branches, having no papers, to the businesses that were ready to pay 20-25% interest rate just to get money faster. Mm-hmm. So all 100% of their clients, they were connecting the data Plat cost 14 billion of dollars, if I'm not mistaken, just because people are ready to share the data. Okay. You that was created 20 years ago, proves the same assumption that people are ready to share the data, but the banks should give something back. That's why people will share the data. So mm-hmm. the previous approach was, Arak, you as the business owner, please connect your data to get the loan faster from the fintech. Correct. So
0: I got an incentive.
1: Yeah, you have the incentive, Yes. We are making the next step. We are saying that, Eric, when you connect the data, obviously you can get the loan faster, but on the top of this, this data will be given back to you to help you perform better. Sure, that
0: makes sense. It's like, give me your data, I give you a free pizza. So here's like, give me your data, I give you a better product or faster access or whatever your value proposition is, dear bank. So that's what you say. Okay, I'm buying this. This is so interesting. And do you see banks? I mean, probably you say yes, but... I guess banks are interested in
1: changing that, right? Yeah, that depends on the size. For example, it's much easier for us to sell to the big bank comparing with the smaller one. But there is opposite side. With the big bank, the process takes a lot of efforts, a lot of time, a lot of resources. So like, to get yes, with the large bank, we need three, four calls usually. Okay. But after that, there is compliance, infosec, legal guys, yeah. brilliant people. Smart people, wonderful people, but they are happy if nothing is changing inside of the bank. (laughs) This is their job, to prevent the risk. (laughs) With community banks, for example, independent community bankers of America, as I mentioned, they invested in us because we are helping community banks to become more innovative, to better compete with the fintechs and with national banks. But... They have a huge mind gap, yes? Like with one banker, with one CEO of uh, $2 billion in assets bank, he told me, Dmitry, my clients won't ever share this data. Like I can't even imagine that I will share the data. But while talking with the same bank, with the executives of the same bank, the guys that were younger than 40 years old, they told, yeah, I would share the data if the bank can help me to get money faster. If the bank can help me yeah. to perform better, if the bank is not only the place to store money. So the CEO of the bank is a little bit older than 60 years old. He's experienced professional. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. But he was living in the environment when no one was sharing financial data. And this is his mindset. Okay. Younger generations, they are open to this because they share the data every day with LinkedIn, with the Facebook, with Uber, with Google. They do this every day. And the younger person is, the more he's open to sharing the data with third parties, if that brings the value. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So we are bringing the banking of the future, the banking of the next generations. But with the community banks, very soon we will announce uh, that we converted three pretty interesting banks in the community banking space in production. And having success stories, I will try to reach the same CEO again. I will say, maybe you don't think so, but you're a smart guy. You know that the environment is changing. You know the statistics. Talk with your colleagues. They gave us the chance. They are happy with our product. And I believe that will help me. Because in the U.S., you know, the most important is credibility, is the trust. And when the guy with my accent is coming to the U.S., at the beginning, that was challenging because for all the bankers, we are Russians. While we are Ukrainians, still, it's the same for lots of them, you know? Yeah. So that means that we are risky, we are dangerous. Yeah. We are solving this problem through the credibility of the people who invested in us, that you can mm-hmm. see at our website, mm-hmm. uh, through the VC that invested in us, through ICBA, through the happy clients in Europe and in the North America. But with community banks, uh, if I don't have other community banks happy with us, It's very difficult to change the mindset of the decision makers, those that are a little bit, let's say, maybe not old school, but thinking in an old-fashioned way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That are risk-aware, let's say. You know, that are not open to all possible risks and all innovations. They want someone else to be the first one to try. Sure. When I'm listening
0: to you, it sounds like you were born for this job. I mean, there's so much energy and passion in what you're saying and how you understand the landscape, that actually this is, I think, a good point to get back to AppSwat. And I want to ask you about journey from Europe to United States. If I may ask you about how you made it, what you've learned from moving from Europe to States, and if I am not mistaken, you guys are based in North Carolina, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. We started our journey in the U.S. from San Francisco, but right now we are in North Carolina.
0: Right. So tell us, please, now about your journey from Europe to States, what you've learned, and also why North Carolina, while everybody's uh, running to Silicon Valley and whatever. Tell us about this.
1: We are the fintech. The largest country from the fintech perspective is the U.S. Right. So the most of the money for our culture, let's say, there is the U.S. There is obviously China. Asia, you know, but this is too far away in the mental, meaning, you know, like in the cultural gap. So US is obviously the best place to build your own company. I don't say like, I love Poland. Poland is the great place. My previous company, we got the grant from Poland. My current company, we won the grant from Poland Uh Prize. Yes, Poland is definitely the next huge European economy. And Poland will grow. Wonderful culture, wonderful mentality, brilliant people. But still Poland is small Mm comparing with the U.S. So having experience in Poland, having experience with the Polish VC, we understood that it's better to start with something huge, to compete with the largest companies, with the most brilliant people. And the most brilliant people, they are coming to the U.S. They are coming to the Silicon Valley. We started from the same place. We applied to the acceleration program in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I don't say that we needed that program. I'm saying that when you are coming to the U.S., someone should say that these guys are great. You should talk with them. Mm -hmm. That was the reason why we applied for the acceleration program, to become more local, Mm -hmm. more native to this Mm -hmm. part of the world. Mm -hmm. And we were accepted to Techstars Mm -hmm. uh, Barclays in Israel. We were in the final of Techstars Barclays. In Israel, we refused. We were not ready to give... 10% of the company at that moment. And Israel is a very small country. It's brilliant. It's very innovative. But there are only a couple of banks, several banks, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. We applied to Skydeck. We were accepted to Skydeck. And we got to the finals of Techstars Barclays in New York. And we decided to join Skydeck. We joined Skydeck because of one very simple reason. They offered the program six months long. And we wanted to get the support as long as possible coming from Eastern Europe, understanding what are the challenges that we are going to face. The second thing, they are powered. They have money from Sequoia, Mayfield, Sierra Venture Fund, Canvas, the best we see in the Valley. And even probably more important that this program is powered by the Berkeley University. I got the right. To say that, uh, you know, when meeting with someone, even on LinkedIn, if I need to get someone, I got the right to say that go bears, you know, like Mm -hmm. this, this, this thing. So that means that I'm part of the same community. And to talk with someone who is alumni of the university becomes much easier. Yeah. The power of the community, the power of the network is very important. So we joined that program. We were growing in the US. We understood that our experience in Europe is relevant to the US, but the way the business is done the way that the relationships should be built is tremendously different. Mm-hmm. And we started growing in that way while working on the first pilots in Ukraine and in Russia, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, at that time, we had pilots in two countries with the banks. And by the end of the program, we got an investment offer, seed round, $3 of million, and we refused. Oh, <laughs> we wow. Were, yeah, and that was a really great fund. We refused and we thought that we don't need money. We really didn't need money at that point of time. We thought that right now we will convert the pilots Mm -hmm. and we will grow more money. We will raise more money with much better valuation. Okay. We decided to say no. And in the next couple of months, crisis started. COVID, all this stuff. Sure. And we were thinking lots of bad things about ourselves. Oh, yeah. Why are you <laughs> uh, Thinking, yeah, <laughs> like, the, the world is changing. No one knows what will happen. Like, the banks are closing all the doors. Yeah. And we face so many challenges in Eastern Europe because, like, in the US, you know, Iraq, the government is supporting the businesses. The yes. government is supporting the consumers yes. uh, with free loans, free money, or right. low interest money. Yes, like, this is the support. In Eastern Europe, there is nothing like that. No, in no. Poland, there was support as well. In Europe, in Ukraine, in Russia, there was nothing. Okay. And we had the first clients there. So all our pilots were freezed. Okay. That was disaster. So everything, because we are offering oh, wow. the product for the businesses, all the lending, all the support of the businesses was freezed on the governmental level, on the banking level, on the private level. So no one wanted to invest resources in something like that. And that was disaster for our company. But, you know, we live only once. We decided that, okay, this is life. So we found some people that uh, were thinking that, uh, okay, each and every crisis, that creates opportunities. And this company is in the U.S. They have the technology ready to use. They signed the first agreements with the U.S. banks. They're jumping in the first pilots with the U.S. banks. Yes, this company is very young. They're like one year old. Mm -hmm. But we could raise money that were enough to get more contracts, hire more people, and get to the next point when we raise the next round. Mm-hmm. Having resources, having happy clients, having, and proving that we can grow in any direction. We can grow even if there is lots of bad things happening around us. Mm-hmm. So we raised $4.3 million of dollars, seed round, not that bad, it's nice round. By this moment, we got seven acquisition offers because mm-hmm. the technology that we created is something really cool. We found a new way how to use alternative data, not mm-hmm. only for lending, but for sales, for the mm-hmm. insights, for supporting both sides, And very soon, uh, we will announce our A round. So I believe something around fall. We are working on this. We have the round formed. We have the lead. We have corporates committed. We are just fighting for the valuation as of now. Sure. Uh, We need to reach our KPIs. Yeah, but uh, maybe from what I say, it seems that everything is great and the team is brilliant. They can handle any situation. No, we do so many mistakes every day. And that's okay. We are learning in our mistakes. Mm -hmm. We are doing, I believe, we do less and less and less mistakes. And uh, being flexible, being growing our company as the startup, that gives us opportunities. But we also use the the strength of the technical power in Eastern Europe. Poland, we have uh, people working for us in Poland. We have guys working for us in Ukraine. Much cheaper comparing with the US and we can grow our technical power much faster comparing with others.
0: Wow, so this gives you a uh, advantage, the,
1: the money-wise advantage, right? Yeah, so business development is in the U.S., technical stuff is in Ukraine and Poland. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that's a great example. For everybody who's listening down in the States, that's a good mashup. So you can join forces with guys in Europe and still keep your um, development going on in the United States. I mean, like business development. Dimitri, you started not only one, but a few companies. Now you're building a team, you're growing, you are approaching the Series A. By the way, congrats. And uh, all the LDNC listeners, please keep the fingers crossed and uh, check back with Upsword this fall uh, for the news. And then Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about experience in management. You are responsible now for a fast-growing fintech. I want to talk about product now. Your product is not the app for checking weather or something that it's easy to grasp and you are on a B2B space helping large dealing with large companies. What tricks, hacks and guidance you could offer to product managers which want to build a strong product which is designed for uh, fast growth
1: like One? Oh, this is uh, this question is better to ask my partner, who is our CEO, and for now he is also Chief Product Officer. Mm-hmm. He has almost twenty years of experience in managing product teams in the largest system integration companies in the banks. Uh, he is much better in this than me, so I am more about strategy, sales, building the trust relationships, and the structure of the company from the key executive positions. Mm-hmm. Dimitri, my partner, he is more about building the product. He is more about building the team that is implementing the product, building the processes below executive level. So we make ourselves better using advantages of both of us. There is another partner, Andrew, He is CTO in our company. He's responsible for all the technical stuff. But obviously, sometimes we have different views what we should build right now, what we should build later. Mm -hmm. But we could build something that we call synergy between us.
0: But I guess, I'm sorry interrupting you, but I guess Mm -hmm. you also analyze and you, as a CEO, uh, you probably pay a lot of attention to feedback and to to the flow of uh, information or feedback or evidence from customers, right? Also, how much data is important in structuring the product and designing the roadmap? Can you tell us a little bit about this?
1: Yeah, so like at the beginning, you know, we got the first clients we were thinking what they ask should be built. Mm -hmm. One bank is saying one thing, another bank is saying another thing. That's It's probably okay when you follow the demands of both guys because to make the first clients happy is the most important. It's easier to get others later. So, for, the, for example, our first deal was in Ukraine with Raiffeisen Bank, and we came to them having nothing, even a single line of code. But they agreed to sign the deal, and they allowed us to name them as our first client mm-hmm. to help us to build the product. We just explained them what we are going to build. They got very nice terms. They are using mm-hmm. our product, and that was win-win for both sides. Right now, we are moving in other ways. So, for example... We are showing the product. We are gathering the feedback. And if out of 10 clients, current clients or prospects, they are saying that we would like this new feature, six clients, not five clients, six clients, at least six clients out of 10 are saying the same. We are building this feature, but we are building a very limited version of the functionality to give the clients so that they can touch it, they can play with it, and they can say what should be done in addition to the Mm -hmm. first MVP of the feature. At the beginning, we were stupid. We were investing lots of resources in building the best features ever. That's the wrong way. Mm -hmm. If the client is saying build something, build MVP. Build something very minimalistic. But that is working and delivering some value. And if the client, by using this, is saying that's cool, we should just enhance the functionality, then start enhancing. Don't build the full feature with the full function without testing this. Because this is definitely the wrong way. By and testing, right now, you mean like,
0: not, not testing that technologically, but testing that with a customer or like not with a customer, but watching how the customer is using that and then improving, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is the best way. You need to have the product that brings the money. So like when you are coming to the banker, you need to understand one thing. Usually nine out of 10 bankers, they don't care about the bank. Mm-hmm. They're not shareholders, no matter what position they have. Mm -hmm. They have the job. So their motivation to get the startup is very simple. Where is my money? How it can help me to get my KPIs faster? Because if I get my KPIs faster, if I enhance, if I can achieve more than I promised, that means that maybe I will get the next position. Maybe I will be promoted, or maybe my bonus will be better. On another side, he's thinking that, okay, if I give the chance to the startup and Mm -hmm. I'm wrong, will it damage my KPIs? Yeah, damage my bonus. Uh, maybe someone with whom I'm competing can get my position or the next position. So they're just thinking between the value and the risks and they are great people, but they are not the founders. They are not the shareholders. Sure. In any case, they are thinking about their success and that's normal. That's okay. That's fine. Yes. Like that. that's absolutely fine. So, When you're coming to the banker, you need to prove that your technology is valuable. These clients are happy with you. This product can bring you $5 on each dollar invested. Mm -hmm. This is how you can achieve your KPIs faster. And if the banker is saying you that in addition to that, I need that and that and that and that, that depends only on the stage of the company if you are ready to invest lots of resources in something that might be needed only by one bank, So Mm -hmm. at our stage, we don't do this anymore. At the beginning, I believe we should do this because maybe your client is giving you something that will help you to grow. Mm -hmm. Maybe he is wrong, but you need to get this first client. Sure. No matter how much it costs you. Sure. So speaking about this,
0: uh, you're talking about KPIs and things like that. I want to now jump into the AppSword journey again. How the product development, the product progress, the product adoption by your customers was important to rise your seed round? Was it like all the investors, they primarily believe in the team and your vision or the product performance was important as well or both or different things?
1: That again, depends on the stage. When you are coming with the first pilot clients, no one cares about the pilot clients. Pilot client is just the confirmation that there is something, something. And everyone knows that no matter what we plan, no matter what we are building in one year, that would be another product. Okay. And to get to that next point of another product, the only thing that can do this is the team. So when you are pre-seed or even seed stage team, company, everything is the team. The team is the main, is the most important. Only okay. the team matters. Nothing okay. else matters. Okay. So when you are between seed round and A round, you need to prove that this team is capable to deliver the revenues. That what they decided to build based on their experience at the pre stage and seed stage proves to be valuable, it can grow the revenues. And the most important, like on each dollar investments, how many dollars can we generate back? But again, there are still lots of questions about if the team is capable to build the processes, if the team is capable to hire relevant people, if the team can inspire the team, if the team can inspire VC, if the team can build something that's easily scalable. This is important, but... There should be the vision, where the team is going, what is the plan, how huge the market is, and how huge the piece of the pie might be achieved by this team and by this company developing this product. At round B, there will be only numbers. Founders become not that level important. Mm -hmm. Founders can be those people who should find people better than the founders. Actually, we are doing this every day. We are trying Mm -hmm. to find people better than me, better than my partners, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because maybe one day we will understand that our involvement, our experience is not enough to get to the next stage. That would be very difficult to accept. Yeah, probably. Okay. But this is only our fault. If our company is growing faster, than we can grow. And we need to find those people who might be be not the best people to build the startup, but they are the best people to build the corporation. Sure. It's another mindset. mindset, Sure.
0: Artificial intelligence, is there something like that in the AppSword product, how artificial intelligence is helping, or maybe not, in your company to achieve goals or be better products? Is it AI so helpful, like all these reports from McKinsey, BCG? and others are stating and convincing are all this like something that is well helping, but it's slowly developing. Do you guys use AI and intelligent algorithms in your product? If you can share, tell us please about this, because definitely AI in a data
1: in driven business like yours is something. Yeah. In our case, we have machine learning. We don't have AI. We train the models based on the performance of our clients and performance mm-hmm. of their clients. So like, meaning that we analyze how the bankers are using our technology, if we are generating for the bankers' right sales, and Mm -hmm. risk insights, if they're useful, if they're helpful, and we build our models based on this. And the same, we monitor how Arak is using our insights, which apps he connected, if he's following recommendations that we do. Mm -hmm. And based on this, we train our models. So we have ML, machine Mm -hmm. learning, we don't have AI. In our team there is like maybe maybe we are wrong we don't believe that ai in full meaning is currently possible to develop okay with the current level of the technologies we believe in ml but not in ai but maybe we don't know these uh, technologies very well
0: sure so machine learning i guess you you digest a lot of data to get some insight but do you also get that insight from machine learning that output for your product improvement? Or is, uh, is that something that helps you to improve? Uh, as you said, like we analyze AREC to help AREC, or we analyze the company to help this company. But as the apps, what overall, as a platform, as a product, does it also benefit
1: from machine learning? Yes, of course. Like we are about insights. We are about like analyzing AREC, who is, let's imagine, $2 of million in revenues. Mm-hmm. Based in Oklahoma, and he is the farmer. And we drive insights to Arc. We are saying that Arc, like you need to think about your cash flow because in six months you will have problems. You have some problems with your marketing, like some things are happening with your stocks, for example. And we see what Arc is doing. We see how Arc is reacting on our insights because Arc, we have access to your QuickBooks, to your Salesforce, to your Instagram, to everything. Mm-hmm. We know how you react on the insights. We know when you push the button, like we can deliver the insight to you regarding your cash flow forecast. And after that, we know that you saw this insight, and we see how your behavior is changing.
0: Mm-hmm. And we see
1: the trend. The next thing that we do, we need to find someone similar to Ark. Mm-hmm. We need to find, for example, Alexander, to see that if Alexander is the same farmer to million of dollars, 13 employees based in Oklahoma. If we deliver the same insights to Alexander and he will follow up our recommendations, will be the same trend, will be the same pattern there. Mm-hmm. If we see that the same outcome is delivered to Alexander and Arak and they are similar businesses, and these insights, both of them, they were used in the same, let's say, sequence, mm-hmm. that means that we have the model to scale. And we are looking for for John, and we are looking for Max, and we give them the same insights. Later, we see what what the guys are doing, how their behavior is changing, and we give more personalized insights. And this is when machine learning is coming on the stage, Mm -hmm. because we can make these insights more personalized Mm -hmm. based on the trends, based on the patterns, by comparing efficiency of the insights in our case, Alexander case, John case, and so on. So our goal is not to give the insight. Our goal is to give you an understandable business plan. Right. What should be done? When right. should be done? How should be done to achieve your next milestone, to grow the revenues of the company by $500,000 more in the next six months. When we can give you this really understandable and simple roadmap divided into the steps, we change the world. Right, And okay. we are going that, that way right sense. now.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Dimitri, that was so great. I mean, I have only one question. I know my podcast is not about fundraising and things like that, but I think the audience will appreciate. Please share your advice, how to attract investors to the company, what it's critical to do, and uh, please share something so people can
1: learn from you. So the first thing, never take crushing money. That was my mistake in my previous company. Never take Russian money, it's always bad. But this is obviously, whatever I say on this podcast and any other podcast, this is purely my opinion, my Mm -hmm. experience, but my no-go is Russian money. For example, this is the first thing that I will say to any fintech or any other startup in Ukraine, even in Russia, there are lots of great people in that country as well. The second thing, you never should ask for money. Mm -hmm. When you ask for money from the VC, that's a very bad idea. So asking for money, it's not, not good. So building the, relationships, so asking the for the feedback. Oh you okay. need to ask for the feedback. You need to ask for the advice. Okay. You okay. need to make VC as an expert. You need to make them engaged. Because you see, like if you're coming to the VC and he's saying, Oh, you know, Dimitri, this is from my perspective, bad idea because of that or that to that. And you are coming in three months and saying, Thank you very much, Ark. Thanks to your feedback, we became much better. Mm -hmm. We implemented your ideas. That helped us a lot. This guy, he becomes engaged with you. He invested already in your company, his experience. Sure. And your company used that experience. And that experience helped you to grow. And that means for the VC that, first of all, you are growing. You can listen to the feedback. You can implement to the feedback. You do rather than talk. Okay. And VC, they, they are only about money. Their job is to give money. So, when you are coming and building the trust with DVC, when you update regarding uh, your efforts and what is the outcome, when you use their advice, when they start connecting you with the clients, when you start connecting them with the prominent startups that you meet on your way, you build the trust because investments is like marriage. Mm-hmm. They will be helping you to make the decision. Maybe one day they will be the people who will lay off you from your position because you are not capable to deliver. So it sounds uh, like it's uh, about relationship, right? I mean, it's always about relationship. And if you are growing, they will offer their money themselves. By asking money, you are doing a very bad thing. Everyone asks the money. But very few are building the trust and relationship and grow the company with the support of the VC, even before you get the money. Sure. If you are doing something cool, they will find yourself. You don't need to look for the VC. When your company is growing, VC will come themselves to give you the money. And that's the question from whom you are going to take the money. Uh, for example, in our case, uh, our VC, our lead fund, they were helping us before they invested. Our new fund, our new lead, they are connecting us with dozens of banks mm-hmm. every month. They are helping us to make the highest before they invest. So we have an option to select from whom we are going to take the money. And I will take the money only from those people who were helping us before they gave the money. So you Because that, that means that they will help us later. Right.
0: So you're saying that when you approach, I mean approach, when you start being in a relationship with VC and you ask for the feedback, you build kind of a friendship that those VCs are, try, are helping you with their connections. So eventually... They know your product better, your company better. They can uh, taste your working style better. So they build 360 trust before they jump in and put money in, right?
1: Yeah, and they have the right to monitor what you are doing through this trust because you will share your experience, you will share your achievements. You're open to them. And they know whatever you say to them, whatever numbers you show them, everything will go in a completely different direction. They know this. But right now, they know you, that you do, you follow, use their network in the right way. You are the entrepreneur. And they know that no matter in how many companies they invest, seven of them, they will die. But three of them will survive. One of them will deliver the most uh, outcome. And they hope that you will be that next one. And that depends how you are building relationship with them. So if out of 100 companies that are coming and asking money, you will be the one that will say, Would you like to meet with me so that I can ask your feedback if we are moving the right way? This is something that even will help you to get their attention.
0: Amazing. Dimitri, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate a lot that you actually helped us to understand the product, the fintech landscape, but also as a kind of like a side effect, but because I didn't suppose we are going to talk about that. We spent like some minutes on the round that you conducted and the one you're conducting. So thank you so much for this. Uh, I appreciate really uh, your honesty and transparency talking about Europe, States, your uh, mistakes and failures as well.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Shark, for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to talk with you.
0: Thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much. Remember that this is the podcast about artificial strategy and product strategy, but also you can see we spent a significant time Talking about financing products, which is on one side VCs, but on the other side, also like subscription and things like that, which are integral part of any product development. Thank you very much, Dimitri. Take care, be safe. And everybody, I am sure, 100% sure, is wishing you luck with your series A.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Good Take luck care. to all of us.
0: Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye.